It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. A new over-under for BYU football this fall is out, and I think it's wildly inaccurate. We'll talk about that and also talk about what you guys want to talk about on a Mailbag Friday. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Always appreciate you guys making it a part of your routine, no matter. Uh, if you're watching it, downloading it, listening to it on your regular podcast format, thank you for making us a part of your routine. Thank you for being everydayers with us here on your only daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. All right, launching right on into de- to, de- to today's show. Excuse me. It's been a long week, folks. I've spent 14 hours days at the radio station for the past uh, three days. Uh, today's Friday. Actually, be my fourth day in a row. I've had the opportunity to sit in and co-host Unrivaled on the KSL Sports Zone 97.5 FM, 1280 AM in Salt Lake City. Uh, so it's made for some long days with my radio uh, job requiring me to be early mornings doing DJ and PK. But nonetheless, happy to be with you guys and we're going to we're gonna get through this. So if I misspeak on something, just understand it's probably just the lack of sleep and some uh, sleep deprivation. We'll just chalk it up to that. But uh, earlier this week, FanDuel, who is, of course, a sponsor of ours here on the Locked On Podcast Network, put out their over-under win totals for the Big 12 Conference along with the other Power 5 conferences. But, of course, with BYU entering the Big 12 here in just over a month and a half, a month and a half uh, BYU obviously is in the mix there and having an over-under placed for it. And our friends at FanDuel stunned me. When they put BYU tied with Houston at four and a half is the over under. I had seen other sports books out there have BYU six, six and a half. I even saw one that had five and a half, but four and a half to me, that is stunningly low. Now, Texas is the favorite according to if you go by the over under uh, win totals for the Big 12 at nine and a half wins. Oklahoma just behind them at eight and a half. And then the other 12 programs, the, the other programs that will be remaining in the conference after this upcoming school year, uh, they are anywhere between uh, eight and uh, four and a half wins. BYU and Houston bringing up the rear with just four and a half uh, as their over-under number, and I think that's completely out of whack. Uh, if you are interested and you have the means to do so, if you want to put some money, put some skittles, as it were, on that, I'd encourage you to get over to FanDuel and take the over on BYU. I believe BYU easily can clear four and a half. They should be bowl eligible. I'm just looking more and more at how the schedule lays out here for BYU and I feel like the Cougars are more than capable of winning six games. Now, injuries, all kinds of different things could could play a role in that. Obviously, turnover margin, taking care of the football, all that stuff factors into this, but it just seems to me that FanDuel is completely underestimating what BYU's doing. I think they may be looking at the struggles BYU had on defense a year ago and some of the losses on offense, particularly Puka Nakua, Jaron Hall, etc., and thinking, oh, BYU didn't reload. Well, folks, we're going to talk about this in a minute. A couple of you had a question about the 
transfer portal. BYU has beefed up their lineup via the transfer portal. Now, those guys that BYU has brought in via the transfer portal have to go out there and prove that on an everyday basis this fall. But guys like Keaton Slovis, Aiden Robbins, they are not slouches. And they're going to come in here fully motivated to go out there and make the best of the situation that's been afforded to them as a member of the BYU football program. I would almost guarantee if you get some true serum into some of these coaches and players down there at BYU and said, hey, this sportsbook fan duel only thinks you guys can get four and a half wins, I'll take the over. BYU's got to be confident they can get to at least bowl eligibility. And in all honesty, to get the over on this, all you got to get is five wins. So, I think that FanDuel very much was out of line uh, in setting this line where they did. But nonetheless, like I said, it could be some free money for you if you are so motivated and you're so inclined uh, to get into the sports gambling realm. You can go to uh, bet on, not bet online. Wow, that's our old sponsor. Apologies. FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started today. FanDuel.com slash locked on. Uh, you can check that out there. But the other thing about this is just one other point is that I think BYU understands that there is plenty of work for them to do, but all the reports. All of the things I keep hearing from Provo during this quote-unquote down part of the schedule is that BYU's players are putting in time. They understand what's at hand here. The coaches instilled it upon them at the end of last season going into winter workouts. They very much reiterated that throughout the entirety of spring camp. And now this part of the year where it's that late spring slash summer window, it is the time for player-run practices. They're going to be obviously doing their lifts in the weight room and doing their workouts there. But in terms of actual on-field work, it is is the players. It's all upon them to get out there and get the work done. And just everything I'm hearing, like I said, the conversations I have with folks in Provo, the reports are that BYU's players are being very diligent about how they're preparing. And obviously they know what's at stake here for this program as they get ready to go into the Big 12 Conference. So like I said, if you're interested and you want to go to FanDuel.com, I'd hammer that over. Honestly, I absolutely think four and a half FanDuel is underestimating BYU, I feel like, in a big way. And it could be a way to uh, get yourself a little bit dinero back into your pocket if you're so inclined. All right, coming up here in just a moment, we'll flip over. Enough of the gambling talk over-unders. It is time to talk what you guys want to talk about. It's a mailbag. I think we're going to move these to Fridays. It's actually been really fun to kind of finish out the week talking about what you guys want to talk about. We've done it for the past two weeks due to some scheduling quirks, but may make it a permanent thing here. But we'll, we'll see how things go. But we'll get to your guys' questions coming up next, talking about what you want to talk about, as I mentioned, with your questions submitted via social media. We'll get to all those in just a moment. First word on our friends over at Built Bar. Built Bars are the best tasting protein bars that I have ever had and I'm serious about that my friends. They are the be- they are absolutely incredible. Healthy they taste amazing. They're covered in 100% real dark chocolate. The best part is the macros with that being covered in dark chocolate are insane. Four, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar and 17 to 18 grams of protein packed into each one of these Built Bars. They're absolutely incredible my friends. The best part they got a number of different flavors out there. If you want to Custom flavor. You can go to built.com and customize your order for yourself. While you're there, use the promo code locked on15 for 15% off your order. Or if you don't mind and you just want to get your built bars, get your hands on a built bar today, stop by your local Smith, Sam's Club, Walmart, Macy's, uh, Costco. They've all got them. That's the best part about this here along the Wasatch Front. Essentially, every retailer that I have seen so far has built bars in stock. So get over and check it out, my friends. That's built bar or go to built.com. Uh, promo code locked on15 for 15% off your order. Get and join the best tasting protein bars and do it with our friends at Built Bar. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA. And now through June 30, get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. 
See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Thank you for being an everydayer right here with us on the podcast. For those of you who are tuned in every single day, uh, we are going to obviously be uh, watching what happens with BYU baseball over the weekend as they finish out their regular season. Does BYU softball punch their ticket uh, to the NCAA tournament as well? We'll have all that for you guys on our Monday edition of the show as well as a reaction to any other news that comes out on BYU's front. And obviously the transfer portal is still very much uh, playing out as as athletes take visits to programs. Now, uh, I'll answer the question about that. There was a, One of the first questions that came in when I threw it out for mailbag questions came, came in from Ryan Welling. He says, Jake, any specific insight on players BYU football is still chasing in the transfer portal right now? Well, two of them are on visits right now. Speaking of former Colorado wide receiver Chase Sowell, he had, uh, arrived for a visit at BYU. He's got three years of eligibility remaining uh, as a transfer from Colorado. He seems like more of a, a developmental guy versus a guy like Darius Lassiter, who I think is going to come in and play right away for BYU, but Sowell uh, is a guy that I very much think would be uh, kind of that fourth or maybe the fifth wide receiver for BYU the second he steps on campus, but uh, he's got skills, and I think that BYU do well to bring a guy like that in. I've talked about it multiple times on this podcast. For so those of you who have been checking us out maybe for the first time, I'd encourage you to join us every single day, but all of my intel said that BYU was going to bring in between two and three wide receivers during this transfer portal period. Darius Lassiter makes one. Could Chase Sowell make two? We'll find out, but BYU very much interested in him if they have him on a visit to Provo right now. Also, for Former Utah State cornerback Johnny Carter announced that he is on a visit to BYU as well. He's taken visits to other Power 5 programs recently, but BYU's got to be thinking if he's visiting the Cougars, he's got to at least have some interest in BYU. I think Carter would very much be in the mix at that kind of that too deep at minimum for BYU at cornerback. He's only got one year of eligibility remaining, so obviously he'd be looking to find a spot where he can play right away, but we'll find out. It's going to be very interesting to see where all things shake out. Uh, one of you asked me, and it might have been Jordan Kennard, I believe, Jordan, you, you DM me and asked me about Monta- Montana Lamonius Craig. Uh, you're, th- you're thinking that BYU may have backed off of him a little bit. I don't know on Montana's status, honestly, right now. I, he's a guy that I think BYU do well to bring in as well. I think any of the wide receivers they've offered, they all seem to have skills to me that fit with what BYU's trying to do on offense, but I think it's just a kind of a, a luck of the draw in a way. When can, you guys, when, when can you get guys here on a visit? Do they like BYU? Do they have other interests elsewhere? Are they intent on playing somewhere closer maybe to their to, their, to their home? There's so many different factors in play with regards to these transfer portal deals, but it's good to see that BYU's got some guys on visits right now. I was told earlier in the week that some other wide receivers might be visiting BYU, but I've not been able to confirm that, so I, I don't necessarily feel super comfortable about throwing out names of guys I've heard about until I am able to I really lock that down. But uh, I do think the BYU is doing all kinds of work in the transfer portal, trying to find the best players they can. Uh, the other thing about this, and one of you, uh, pull it up real quick. Uh, it came in via Ed, and you asked, oh, so Jake, uh, is, it, the question was, double check it. Jake, what is the status of BYU looking for a kicker in the transfer portal? The way I understand it is BYU essentially has been evaluating any and all kickers who pop up in the portal, but I have heard little in the way of actual, like I guess, guys that are visiting BYU or anybody they might be locking in on. Does that mean that Matthias Dunn, the walk-on from Wasatch High School, who seemed to be the best kicker in spring ball, could be the guy this fall? Yeah, if BYU doesn't bring anybody in, it figures he could be that. Could they have walk-on tryouts in the fall and find a guy? Yes, they could, but... 
the kicking situation uh, leaves some concern there. Honestly, I, I look at that and say, ooh, I'm not sure I'm completely comfortable with BYU's kicking situation. But the way I understand it is they have evaluated uh, as many kickers that have hit uh, that, that have hit the transfer portal, excuse me, and maybe they find one, maybe they don't. I guess we'll find out. All right, on to other questions here on the podcast. Uh, moving along, let's uh, dive into this one. Brandon, uh, excuse me, we'll get to Brandon's comment in a minute. It's more of a comment. We'll get to that in just a minute. Uh, Aggie Fan Dan, Let's address the elephant in the room. What will be the future of Locked On Big 12 moving forward? I'm curious to see if a statement from the bosses of the Locked On Podcast Network will come out. Now, folks, honestly, I don't know what I'm able to say versus what I can't say. There's been really no direction on that. But I'm going to just say this. Uh, suffice it to say, Josh Neighbors is a good friend. Uh, he's been on this podcast. I have been on Locked On Big 12. He did a great job building that brand as part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, as some of you know, I would hope all of you know at this point, uh, he was let go uh, by uh, the Locked On Podcast ne- Network after he played the clip of Bob Huggins, the West Virginia basketball coach, completely unedited. Is the comments that Bob Huggins made live on radio in Cincinnati, but let me just say this. Josh is a good man, a good friend, and I wish him nothing but the best as he moves forward here. I have no doubt uh, with how good he was uh, building that brand, speaking of Locked On Big 12, that he will land on his feet. I know he's got a day job, actually, as a radio producer like I am, doing Morning Drive uh, back east, so He's not completely out in the cold, but uh, looking forward to seeing what he does next. And like I said, I I got nothing but uh, good uh, good wishes, or I guess well wishes, for a guy like Josh as he moves forward here. And I, I sincerely hope uh, he finds a good spot for himself. So uh, I don't think I'm speaking out of turn when I say that. I, I don't have all the details with regards to what ultimately transpired, uh, and I'm not going to delve into that. It's all speculation on my part. But like I said, I, I really wish Josh nothing but the best moving forward, and uh, for the others of you who commented on this saying you're boycotting the podcast or you're not you're boycotting locked on, uh, you know what? I, I can respect what you're saying, and if you're actually boycotting, you're not going to see this and or listen to it. But nonetheless, I hope you guys will reconsider and come back to the podcast. It, 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 it's it's a, it, I don't know. I can't do this without you guys. And if you guys leave in mass, that obviously hurts the bottom line across the board. But hey, that's how things happen. So uh, I appreciate, and let me just reiterate one more time. I appreciate all all of your guys' support. It, it really does mean the world to me that you guys check out this podcast. I, like I said, you may be upset with how Locked On handled things, but uh, that's that. That's just how the, the cookie crumbled in that circumstance, and uh, I'll just leave it there. I, I probably have said too much already. All right, next question up. Daniel Rigby, is it now pretty normal for teams to lose or gain about 20 or so players to the transfer portal? This allows teams to add experienced players rather than relying on freshmen. In this environment, can we really predict how reliably good uh, can we pre- really predict reliably how good teams will be year to year? Uh, Daniel, that's a great question. And Daniel, I don't know that necessarily you can predict it with the transfer portal cycles as they are. Uh, we're going to see a grand experiment with Colorado, obviously, turning it over completely. They lost, I think, all but like one of their guys from their from the previous team uh, decided to transfer out of the program, if not all of them. They have brought in something north of 70-plus uh, players via different means into that program. Does that pay off? And if that pays off, you can guarantee other programs that a new coach takes, takes over will absolutely take advantage of those rules as currently constituted if they're afforded that same opportunity. Now, to your point, I think 20 players, okay, that... that that's... It seems to be getting more in line with what some of these programs are dealing with. BYU is brought in by my count. Is it, is it 14 guys via the transfer portal? Like guys that have added to the roster. There's 14 that have been added. They've obviously obviously lost guys as well uh, going out of the program. 
So expect turnover, honestly. And I do think it will affect how you can predict how good a team is going to be. It's always been a foolhardy pr- uh, process to try and project, okay, this team should be this good. That, that, that to me, it just doesn't fly. It doesn't work. And uh, so I get, I get your point, Daniel, but it is more of the reality now. You're going to see double-digit players probably exiting and entering programs on an annual basis. And thus the NCAA and college football take pretty drastic measures to uh, get things back under control. But I just don't see that happening either on my end. All right. Next question coming in, uh, J. Floyd 314, our faith is strong, saying, how solid is BYU's tight end room right now? Other than Isaac Rex, what is the depth chart looking like? Sounds like somebody missed the podcast when I talked about tight ends just last week. But nonetheless, uh, J. Floyd, let's talk about that. Isaac Rex obviously looking the part once again after having all that hardware from his dislocated uh, compound dislocation to ankle. Compound dis, compound dislocated ankle. Uh, you can tell I'm tired. Uh, that he suffered against USC in 2021. He had all those metal plates and screws taken out of that ankle. And spring ball, he looked night and day different. It felt like out there. So he'll be the lead guy at, at tight end. I would fully expect uh, that you'll see him take on a starring role for BYU this year. Ethan Erickson figures to be a big part of it as well. The coaches absolutely rant and rave about how good of a prospect he is. He just needs to have more sample size and an opportunity to show what he can do. And Jackson Bowers coming into the program, folks. This is a freshman that's unlike a lot of freshmen. He's going to come in and immediately challenge for playing time at tight end for BYU. He's got a a college-ready body. That's the thing about this. This is not a guy you got to beef up. Uh, you've got you've got a guy who's already got the requisite size and strength, that type of combo to get on the field right away and play for the BYU football program, and that should lend itself to giving him him an opportunity early on in his career. I'd also keep a guy on, an eye on guys like Anthony Olson and Nason Coleman. Both of them walk-ons to the program, but both of them fairly talented players in their own right. And then the other name to keep an eye on, he's not necessarily a true tight end. He plays more of that H-back, F-tight end, a fullback role. It is Mason Wake. Air Wake, man, he is absolutely sensational. He is so good in a multifaceted role. Keep an eye on him as well. I really like the depth of BYU's tight end room. Really, I do. I think it's got a really, really good core of players. It may not have as many bodies as as had in the past for BYU in terms of just overall numbers, but the quality uh, versus quantity debate, uh, I think this tight end room quality-wise to me far uh, outpaces some of the other ones we have seen uh, in BYU's recent past. All right, uh, next question coming in. uh, Well, actually, we'll flip over. Uh, We'll talk about, I want to talk a little bit about what's going on uh, with BYU basketball. There's some interesting uh, conversations on that that come in via questions. There's some questions about the Big 12, and some of you guys want to know about burgers and fries. Some of my favorites. We'll finish out today's podcast with all those as we continue on right here on Locked On Cougars. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA. And now through June 30, get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Thank you once again for checking out Locked On Cougars right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for being an everyday and making us your first listen of the day. If you have not done so already, if you're watching this on YouTube, 
please hit that follow button. Subscribe to the show. Hit the bell icon next to that to enable notifications when this show goes live. You'll know exactly when it is. And you can tune in and uh, catch it first things first. It's kind of fun to see some of you in the YouTube comments uh, saying that I'm first. I'm the first person to comment. I cannot thank you guys enough for your interactions with the show. Uh, that also goes to the regular podcast feeds, Apple Podcasts, Google, Stitcher, Spotify. Uh, you guys are absolutely phenomenal. Amazon, by the way, also a way to listen to it and a brand new addition to the lineup in terms of ways to consume this. We are now on SiriusXM, my friends. So check it out. Really, really cool stuff. Letting you be able to hear Locked On Cougars and the rest of the Locked On Podcast Network literally wherever uh, you get your audio slash music slash downloads, whatever it is. It's it's becoming essentially ubiquitous. You can find it anywhere and everywhere that you happen to need it. Please continue to subscribe, rate, review, and do all the things that help us build this audience. All right, diving right back into the mailbag here. Let's start off the next one uh, coming in. Uh, it comes from Garrett. Outside of OU and UT, speaking of Oklahoma and Texas, which schools are the strongest with NIL in the Big 12? That is a great question, Garrett, and I think the, the simple answer is I don't know necessarily. I think we're going to find out as Texas and Oklahoma exit the, uh, the exit the conference after this upcoming year, I think you'll really see who comes to the forefront in terms of the overall strength top to bottom of the conference, who finishes on top versus who finishes at the bottom. NIL is going to very much reflect that. It's going to be a big part of the conversation. BYU is injecting as much uh, capital as they can via the Royal Blue Collective, and it's not BYU doing it. It's donors outside of BYU, alumnus uh, and just uh, fans like yourselves who are contributing to help with the NIL sphere. So if you want to have a direct impact on BYU's future success, NIL is a big way to do that. I'm not. I'm also not discounting that Coog Connect is also part of that conversation as well. So if you guys have a, an interest in that stuff, it can make a real impact. It truly can. I know that it sounds kind of weird to say that you're paying this money to this to these people to give money to athletes. That's just kind of how things are working now, folks. And if you want to be a part of it, I would encourage you guys to consider contributing to either the Royal Blue Collective or uh, Coog Connect, uh, really the two two main NIL uh, platforms for BYU sports. All right. Next question coming in here. Our good friend uh, Josh Glenn says, I recently saw that Mark Pope got a B grade after his first four years at BYU. Do you agree or disagree? And then he adds this. What grade would you give Kalani? What goals would you set for him if you were in Tom Homo's position? Great job as always. Much love from the surface of the sun, a.k.a. Arizona. Well, Josh, your name does say Royal Blue Saguaro. I think that's how you said it. Saguaro Cactus. So thank you for your support uh, of the podcast first off, and thank you for tuning in uh, from the Valley of the Sun down there. Uh, The B grade for Mark Pope, I think, is is fair. I would think that's probably a pretty good spot to be in. Uh, he's been at BYU for four years, as you mentioned. I believe it was it was the Athletic that did those grades. Uh, looking back at that 2019 uh, coaching uh, hire group that came into college basketball together, and I think Mark Pope a B grade actually fits quite well. Some of you may want to push it down to more of the C level, but I think you can acknowledge that he's been. Pretty good, at least through the first two years of his tenure at BYU. Whereas maybe the other two years, not quite as good. And obviously a lot of work to be done as BYU goes into the Big 12 now uh, on the basketball front. So I think it balances out. I think a B, maybe a B minus if I'm being technical, but I don't think a B is out of bounds on that. Now you asked what grade would you give Kalani and what goals would you set for him if you were in Tom Homo's position? I would say for Kalani, I'd give him a solid A minus, B plus, kind of that range right there. Are there things that can be improved upon? Absolutely. And obviously the the move to uh, move away from Elisa Tuiaki and bring in Jay Hill last year I think is going to pay dividends for Kalani. 
Sitake, and potentially if it pans out the way he envisions it with Jay Hill, that probably pushes his grade, speaking of Kalani, to an A status. But Tom Homo, in terms of goals, I just tell him, hey, build this program the right way. Give us a good foundation going into the Big 12 Conference here. Give us the best opportunity to go out and win football games. That should be the goals, honestly. I know that you probably want to over-under win total. I talked about it earlier on today's show. I think BYU, the goal should be getting to bowl eligibility, getting to six wins, and that'd be a good spot to be. But there's still work to be done. And that's the thing about this is Kalani knows it. Tom Homo knows it. Anybody around the program knows exactly what they're going up against, and they will obviously be endeavoring uh, to get better along the way here. All right, next one. Nick Chadwick, our good friend. Nick Chadwick15 on Twitter says, Any updates on increased recruiting staff? Now, Nick, I honestly have not probed around about this. I will ask around and see if I can get you an answer for it. But it's a great question because they've invested, speaking of BYU, in so many different areas. Off the field staff, there. trust me, there are more staffers around BYU football and BYU athletics than there ever have been. And I'm talking full-time salaried positions. They relied for so many years on student, uh, like part-time student roles to fill some critical, critical needs inside the football program and even in the athletic department. They have opened up uh, new pathways and given more full-time jobs to staffers, which should in turn help BYU be more competitive. That requires obviously an added investment from BYU, and that's good to see BYU reinvesting uh, into their programs into their athletic department. I think it will pay off down the road for them. But I have not heard about the recruiting staff, but I also haven't asked. So I would assume there's probably been some momentum on that front. I'll dig around about this and see what I can find out for you, Nick. All right, uh, next question coming in here is uh, via Dallas. Last year's defense always seemed to be playing on their heels. Frequently, linebackers stood still for several seconds after the snap before moving. I refuse to believe that the defensive talent is as poor as the defense performed last year. How much is scheme and coaching going to transform the D this year? Uh, Dallas... Based on what I saw in spring ball, it's going to be a big, big change. Uh, BYU really tore things down on this defense and went back to the basics. Jay Hill said, you know what? That defense was broken. And I'm not speaking like they were broken uh, physically. In some cases, they might have been. But it was more like, okay, these guys are just so mentally... just I guess discombobulated is might be the correct term. And he said, you know what? We're going back to basics. We are starting from square one. We're tearing it all down and we're going to build them up from the ground up. And I actually really appreciate the way he went about this. I think it will pay dividends. Is it going to be uh, a stellar defense year one in the Big 12? Maybe not. And But I think there will be improvements made for BYU's defense. You mentioned the fact the linebackers seem to be playing in mud at times, kind of getting stuck uh, reading uh, for their keys. That's no longer the thing. Jay Hill's defense is all predicated on the defense attacking. He wants them to get out there and play with their hair on fire versus more of what BYU was a year ago, where it's more of read, 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 and then react to what's going on. He just wants them to get out there and attack. Do your assignment, obviously, accomplish your assignment, but then go make a play. That's what Jay Hill is all about, and he has given those guys on the BYU defense that latitude to go out there and show what they're capable of doing, and we'll see what happens. Does it ultimately work out? Uh, the way that I I envision it, speaking of myself, or you envision it, maybe not. But I think Jay Hill has a vision of what he wants this defense to be, and only time will tell to see if he actually can uh, achieve what he what he's looking for. All right, uh, two final questions here on today's show. First off, our good friend, uh, uh, let's see, Tim down there in Texas, Texas conservative on Twitter, T Carpenter thirty seven said, Jake, just wondering if you have heard anything as to why Easton Baker decommitted from BYU and reopened his commitment. Uh, that is a great question. Now, Easton Baker is one of my favorite guys to watch at the high school level here in the state of Utah. He is an absolute 
absolute human missile uh, out there on the football field. Uh, in asking around about this, and, I, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not the first to say this. I'm probably not the last to say it. The one thing about a guy like Easton Baker is essentially the upside is what you're questioning if you're BYU at this point. He seems to be maxed out physically. He is absolutely just a machine out there. He is bulked up. And the question is, is there more upside to him? Where do you play him at the next level? There's some concern. I believe that he might be a little bit of a tweener speaking of maybe he's too slow to be true, be a true safety, but maybe he's too small to be a true linebacker. And that's where BYU's trepidation might be. Maybe it's just the skill set. They don't necessarily think it fits the defense as currently constituted. I do think that there is still interest in bringing Easton Baker into this program, but there may need to be uh, some extra recruiting done if BYU does come back around to win him over. I'll tell you this much. Everything I know about Easton is he was absolutely in love with BYU and I'm just a personal gut feeling. If BYU were to show him some more love and decided they uh, do want him in the program, I think he may come back around and commit. But we'll, we'll see if that ultimately is how things transpire. All right. Final question that I can see here on today's show. If any of them straggle in uh, during uh, my recording, etc., we'll get to them on our next edition of the podcast. But this is fun. Two of you asked a similar question. That's our good friend, uh, BYU gal at Cougar underscore Badger, as well as Daniel Haslam. Both of you uh, regular contributors slash listeners and viewers of this podcast. Thank you for this question because I love talking about food. And we're going to finish it off talking about food. Uh, now, BYU gal asked this. Favorite burger places, non-national chains in Utah Valley slash slash salt. South Salt Lake County. Now, I'm assuming that's where you live, uh, BYU gal. Uh, first one that comes to mind, I know it's not necessarily uh, gourmet, but I'm a big fan of JCW's. Local company, uh, founded in American Fork. They've got locations, I think, in South Jordan, Harriman, Lehigh, American Fork, and Provo now. And I'm a big fan of JCW's. I think their French fries are phenomenal, uh, I, but their burgers, more, more importantly than their French fries, I'm a huge fan of their burgers. They do a great job. The burgers are not your uh, little tiny burgers you might get from other fast food joint. They are good-sized burgers. They will fill you up. And there is nothing better in my mind than heading down to Lavelle Edwards Stadium and stopping by that JCW's in Provo and picking up a burger on the way uh, to LES to watch BYU football play. But there are some other ones out there, obviously. I I think that if you wanted to get up into more uh, Salt Lake proper, Lucky 13, I know it's you have to be 21 plus to get in there because it is a bar officially by Utah State Law. Uh, Lucky 13's burgers are absolutely awesome. I'm a huge fan of Lucky 13. Uh, So I guess there's a couple options for you there, BYU gal. Daniel Haslam, he has this best hamburger and fries in Utah. Uh, In terms of the entire state of Utah, Jeez, that's a great question. Uh, there is a great place. Is it Fred's down there in Manti? I think it's called Fred's. A little burger stand, a little burger joint in Manti, Utah. A lot of you may have gone to Snow College. BYU gal, you may know this. I think you went to Snow College. Is it Fred's, I think, is what they call that down there? Uh, but if you want to get up to Heber, go to Dairy Keen. I'm a huge fan of Dairy Keen. Obviously, it has the train there. If you've not been to the Dairy Keen in Heber, Utah, get up there and enjoy uh, what they've got. Uh, they do a great job up there in, on, I guess they call it the Wasatch Back in a way. I, maybe it's not the Wasatch Back, but it's up in uh, that area, uh, Park City area. It's a great spot to go. I'm a big fan of Dairy Keen. But, folks, I- I'll just say this. I'm a big burger and fries aficionado. It's hard to ruin it for me unless you're just going to absolutely turn my my burger patty into a hockey puck. So uh, there are great burgers across the board. If you got recommendations, I'd love to hear them. Uh, drop them in the comments. Drop them via social media to us. We'll be happy to highlight them. But there's a few answers for you guys of places that I really enjoy eating at and good burgers to boot. That's the, that's the one thing. I think is kind of the premise of both y'all's questions there. All right, that's going to do it. A big thank you to all of you for your support of the podcast. It's been a busy week, but a fun week all the same. Come 
coming up next week. I'm going to take part of the week and go on vacation, but I'm not leaving you guys high and dry. I've got a number of podcasts uh, locked and loaded for you guys to come over the next week. Great conversations with guys uh, from TCU like Stephen Simcox, who does Locked on Horn Frogs. We're also going to go to Houston and catch up with Parker Ainsworth. I know that BYU doesn't play Houston, but uh, we both agree that uh, BYU and Houston at four and a half over under is probably a little ridiculous. We talked about that, so uh, stay tuned for those next week. And of course, any news that pops up involving BYU football, basketball, and beyond, we'll have it covered for you guys right here on your only daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars, the Locked On Cougars podcast. So once again, thank you for making us your first listen to the first listen of the day, and thank you for being every day or with us here on the podcast. Hope you guys have a fantastic weekend. We will reconvene on Monday, if not before then, and hope you guys are all doing well. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast. See ya. The NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.